God bless you. Praise God. Let's take out our Bibles. We're going to the book, back to the book of Ephesians, okay? So join us there. And let me just say, next Sunday is Communion Sunday. And let's just come expecting God to do some awesome things next week. So what we're doing is we're kind of changing things up just a little bit. Uh, next, next Sunday, we're not going to do four songs and a message we're going to do more songs, more worship, communion, and we've got some testimonies. And if you have a special testimony that God's done something in you, we want to hear that. And then we're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to move on us and move in us and touch us in time of prayer and just really have a good, good hallelujah time. Was that okay? Yeah. Next Sunday, come expecting the Lord to do some awesome things and Got to say, I thought, Pete, your new drums sound awesome over there. <laughs> Amen. So, take out your Bibles if you're not there already, or open your U version. You got the notes there in U version. And we're going to focus again. Uh, we're going to Ephesians 6. We're going to focus on three key relationships. So, we weren't sure how to title this message. It's titled Winning at Relationships. Because we are going to talk about relationships, but we're also going to talk about spiritual battles and winning our spiritual battles here as we get into uh, verse number 10 eventually this morning. But uh, we've already talked about relationships in the church, right? If you focus back on uh, Ephesians 4.3, for our relationships in the church, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We've talked about that. Make every effort. So that means, turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. And if you're at home, go ahead. That pound, yeah, tell your people next to you. That means you. You, we all have to do this. We all have to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. If one person doesn't do it, what happens? We got a mess. All right, verse Verse uh, number 22, Ephesians 5.22, we talked about relationships at church. We talked about relationships at home. So we talked about this for quite a while, Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your husbands. All the wives said, amen. I'm still waiting. <laughs> and then we talked about verse number 25. Husbands, love your wives. And all the men said, amen. amen. They got it. Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents. And verse number four, fathers, do not exasperate your children. We all have to get this into our life if our relationships are going to flow as God wants them to flow. So Ephesians chapter six, let's go to verse number five then. And uh, it's all about relationships involving slaves and their masters. So that's interesting, isn't it? How many of you are glad that we, we settled, at least, I don't know that it totally got settled, but we, we settled the slave issue back in the Civil War days. Aren't you glad? You know, the problem is it cost 700,000 lives, and that's just the fighting soldiers. Uh, there were others. Did you know the Civil War was our bloodiest war of all of our wars? More people died in the Civil War than all other wars combined in our country up until the Vietnam War. Isn't that horrible? You know, what that tells us is that it's not just a, 
a, a civil, physical battle, but it's a spiritual battle, a deep spiritual battle that was in our country. And, you know, it took a lot of suffering and pain and sacrifice for it to be settled. It's too bad we couldn't just take it to the cross and to Jesus and solve it right there in the church, isn't it? For whatever reason, I don't know, I wasn't alive at that time. Probably some of you weren't either. But you know what? At least we, at least we got through it and we solved that particular battle. I believe we had. And uh, you know, our stand, we affirm in the church today what our Constitution declares that all men were created equal because we're all born in the image of God. Red and yellow, black and white, we're all precious in His sight. Male and female, all born, you know, in the image of God. Amen? So that's where that's at. But there are two applications, I think, that we can derive from these verses together about slaves and masters. And, uh, you know, that battle is maybe still being fought in some ways wherever employers treat their employees like slaves. Maybe there's still a spiritual battle going on in that workplace, right? So... And wherever employees are cheating or disrespectful of their employers, I think that battle may still be alive, at least in a spiritual sense, too. So Paul's words, I think, are appropriate for us today. So let's apply them. All right. All right. So let's look at Ephesians 6, verse 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. So number one, he talks to employees. So if you're an employee, if you have a boss, an employer over you, this is for you. He's saying respect your, your employer. Respect your boss. Show them that you are committed to helping their business succeed and work for them as if you're working for the Lord. Verse 8, he says, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. So if you see yourself as working for the Lord, Rather than working for the man, even if you're working, even if you are self-employed today, if you see your your business, you're working for the Lord. You know, instead of working for the man or or for whoever's employing you, or as as some country western song from way back when said, "Take this job and shove it." You know, if if that's if your attitude isn't like that, your attitude's I'm serving the Lord. I'm working for Him then your attitude is going to be far different, even if you think that you have the worst job in the world because you're doing it for God. You're doing it for Him. Amen. I know because I had one of the worst jobs in the world. At least I thought it was. How many of you think you got the worst job in the world? A couple of you guys. Listen, I I thought I had the worst job in the world too. I was in high school and I had a summer job and I got a job in this big, huge feed plant, just a really big place. And uh, anyways, you know, I'm the low guy on the totem pole. Guess the job I got? The worst job, one of the worst jobs. I'm not going to say it's the worst job. You know, I think working in a coal mine has got to be like one of the worst jobs in the world. But I thought, I thought mine was one of the worst jobs. I got the job of going underneath the scale. You know, they drive trucks in and they weigh them. And underneath the scale, uh, water would run down get underneath there. It's kind of like a basement department. And they had a bunch of feed sacks piled up underneath that scale. And water got into that feed. And mold began to grow. And stink began to stink. 
And guess what? The high school guy got the job of cleaning that room out. Uh, uh, it was like, you know, it's hard to go to work when you think you got the worst job in the world. And I decided, I just, you know, I just had to make up my mind. I'm going to endure the pain. I'm just going to try to ignore the stink. And I'm just going to, you know, the sooner I get to work and do this, the sooner it will be cleaned up and I can move on to something else. So I tried to keep the right attitude. I got to work, endured the pain. And you know what? I think it made me a better man. I think it made me a better worker in the long run just because I was willing. You know, there's a lot of guys that would have said, take this job and shove it under your truck or something, you know. But I, I, I just I went through it, endured the pain, kept my attitude right. And you know what? In the end, I got a promotion. I got a raise because uh, I kept the right attitude. I got some better jobs and even some fun jobs in the plant, if you can imagine that. And uh, I was able to pay a tithe to the church, to my church, and bless them. And I felt like God was blessing me, and I was able to save some money for college. So it was just a win-win situation just because I was willing to stick it out and do it. So, you know, if you see yourselves as working for Jesus, remember all he suffered for us. So Jesus is my true boss. He's my true master. I think if you look at it that way and remember that he promises, as Paul said, to reward everyone for whatever good he does. Amen. So, so that was to employees. Now let's look at employers. So if you have employees under you, then this verse applies to you. Verse 9. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no favoritism with him. So if you are the owner, the boss, the manager of other employees, then you are being told to treat your employees in the same way. He says, in the same way, and what is that way? To serve wholeheartedly, he says in verse 7, serve wholeheartedly as if you're serving the Lord, not men. So it's the same principle. Even as a boss, you need to serve your employees in a way that you're serving them as if you are working for the Lord. You're working for the Lord. It's not just about making money. It's not just about you, but you have families depending on you to, to put food on the table for their families, for their kids, uh, people that need a job to put a roof over their heads. And, and so see your business as the Lord's business. Your business, God has provided this for you. He's given you the ability to work, the ability to lead this business. So think about this. How would he want it run? How would he pay the workers? How would he treat them? How would he discipline them? When would he fire them? Every day remind yourself that you have to give an accounting to God. Your master, he says here, he is your master over you, over all of us. So you're going to give an accounting for how you treated your employees. And if you bless and respect them, they will bless you and your business today in return. You know, we've had some business owners in our church who, I, I, it looks to me like their business belonged to the Lord because their business would actually send us checks. I don't know if it was a tithe check or whatever. Uh, probably not a tithe check because it probably wasn't that much, that much, but it was a, uh, a good gift that we would get on a regular basis. And, you know, when a business is willing to do that, I, I think what the owner was saying and thinking and reminding himself constantly was that this belongs to the Lord. 
this isn't mine. You know, legally, yes, it's yours. But I think in his heart, he was trying to keep reminding himself, my business is God's business. You're my master. I'm serving you and serving my community and serving all the people that are working for me and doing this work. And uh, one of the things I've learned over the years of being a boss for those that, that uh, I have to manage is that there, there's something you can do for your employees that's free. It doesn't cost you a dime. It's called show appreciation. And you know what? The dividends you get from showing appreciation, giving a card, giving a note, whatever, just doing some little thing, show appreciation, doesn't have to cost you a dime. And you know what? I'm just saying, if you are managing people, if you're a boss, if you're an owner, I'll tell you this much, it'll pay great dividends for you and your company, and that employee will do more for you than you ever dreamed before if you'll do that. Number three, the third relationship we want to talk about this morning is in verse 10. Let's go to verse 10. And the relationship we're talking about is our relationship with the devil. Some of you know, have found out you have a relationship with the devil. Never thought of it that way before, did you? Now listen, it's a, it's a contentious relationship. It is a daily battle. Have you learned that he hates you and you hate him? Now that's a relationship. I'm not saying it's a good relationship, but it's a relationship. And he wants to take you down and you want to take him down. Am I right? Have you figured that out? That there is a relationship going on there and you don't like it and you don't like him but you need to see that it is a relationship that's happening and you've probably figured out that he tries to interfere with all your other relationships. He wants to mess with your church and your church relationships. He wants to mess with your marriage and your marriage relationship. He wants to mess with your family and your children, parent-child relationships. He wants to mess with your work relationships at work. Everywhere you are, he wants to destroy your relationships. But the good news is today that you have a supernatural source of power to overcome him. Somebody say, hallelujah. hallelujah. A power that will enable you to fight against the attacks that he has against you and even to put him under your feet. Whether you've got big feet or little feet, the Bible says he's given us the power and it's not in you you know, the power is the Holy Spirit in us. It's not your intellect or whatever. It's the Holy Spirit in us that enables us to put him under our feet. Don't you say, I want him under my feet. Just shout amen if that's you out there. All right, so verse number 10, what does it say? It says, be strong in the Lord. So the only way you're going to put him under your feet is if you be strong in the Lord. Will you say those words with me? Be so let's go back. Genesis 3.15 prophesied that Eve's seed, and, and God was speaking to the serpent here, when he said Eve's seed, who is Eve's seed? Jesus, Messiah, which was Jesus. Jesus will crush your, meaning the serpents, Jesus will crush your head. How many of you like that? Jesus will crush your head and you will strike his heel. For a little pain in the heel, Jesus is going to crush your head. Somebody shout, Hallelujah. Or something, get excited. Psalm 8, verse number 6, referring to us, to humans, the Bible says, you made him, man, 
mankind, male and female. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. So that's all about managing this planet and this earth, yes, but it's also about winning spiritual battles, putting the enemy under our feet. Psalm 1829, referring to David's victories, uh, David said, with your help I can advance against the troop, and with my God I can scale a wall. Uh, what, what is going on here? Well, I think David's trying to teach us the kind of... The kind of uh, the kind of perceptions we need to have about our relationship with our enemy, with our enemies, but especially with our relationship with our biggest enemy. Who's your biggest enemy? Yeah, it's not a human being. It's Satan, the enemy. He's trying to teach us that if Christ is in us, we have nothing to fear. And we should walk in courage and we should walk in confidence. Let me say that again. If, if Messiah, if Jesus, if the one who's going to crush Satan's head is in you, then you have nothing to fear. And you should walk with this mentality that you can walk in courage and confidence in our Lord every single day and never back down from a fight with your enemy, the devil, because he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. Amen. Psalm 18:37. Look at this. You, you need to look at this. I know it's on the screens and you guys can see it at home there or whatever, but look at this. David said, in this whole chapter, after the service, go back and read Psalm 18, okay? Because this whole chapter is just like, whoa, awesome. It's a mentality that David, by the Holy Spirit, wants every person in this place to have. Okay, so just put, prick your neighbor right now and say, you need this. <laughs> go ahead. You need this because you need this. Okay. I need this too. You need to poke me too, Jim. Uh, Psalm 18, verse 37, in the middle of the chapter, he says, I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I want you just to, you know, I want you just to think of David as just a guy that's just full of, of a sense of spiritual enablement and confidence, self-confidence. Not that he's egotistical, not that he's proud or arrogant but just that he knows something. He's got this spiritual knowledge inside of him. He knows who he is when he stands in the presence of the Lord. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You made my adversaries bow at my feet. He's not bragging. Uh, he's praising the Lord for God's enablement in him. And that's what every one of us here today need to get. I, ne I need you to get this and perceive this and get this in your spirit. Become little David, so, so to speak. Become like David, at least. He's not bragging. He's praising the Lord for enabling him to, for arming him for battle. Because is the, doesn't he give the credit to the Lord? You armed me with strength for battle. You made my adversaries bow at my feet. So he's crediting the Lord for arming him for battle, for, for uh, weakening his adversaries in the fight. And I believe he's trying to tell us, every one of us, we need to look up 
and, and know that God is for us, not against us, and he will arm us for battle. He's already armed us for battle. He will weaken our enemy when we are willing to pursue him and not turn back and run from him. And he's trying to tell us he'll arm us, he'll weaken our enemies, and he'll give us victories too. Psalm 110, verse number 1, referring to Jesus, listen to this. He said, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Enemies underneath, feet are resting on him. Who is him? Our enemy, who is he? Satan is under our feet. We used to sing a song about that a few years ago. Satan, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Remember that old song? He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Well, let's just say it right now. He's under my feet. 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he's destroyed all dominion and authority and power for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Hallelujah. Yeah, the resurrection was death's ultimate defeat. And his final defeat is coming soon. And Jesus will put all our enemies under his feet oh, and yeah. under our feet. And Romans 16, verse 17, Paul recognized that there are people in the church who may cause divisions. He says this, who, people in the church who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way. Such people are not serving our Lord Christ. But verse 20 the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Hallelujah. Now, I like that he says that it's under your feet. Uh, he's saying two things. Number one, don't be those ones causing obstacles and divisions in other people's way because that means Satan's using you and Satan's working through you and, and you're going to have to give an accounting to God for that. The second thing he's also saying is that Jesus will fight this battle. Jesus will fight this battle, and he will win it. He will put all our enemies under our feet. Uh, there will be battles today, even divisions and obstacles, like he says, and we've got to resist and fight against them, but don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Don't, don't get, let disappointment when some people do the wrong thing and, and they, they attack or they hurt you. Don't let those things bring you down Keep running with your eyes on Christ. Amen. Get your eyes on Christ and realize he's bringing the victory. He's going to put all these things under your feet. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he had to face this battle. 2 Timothy 4.10, he says, For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. And in verse 14, he says, Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him. You too should be on your guard against him. Verse 16, he says, at my first defense, no one came to my support. Verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. Wow. So, you know, he's just very honest. He had people desert him. He had people attack him. They left him. They, they did not stand up with him. How many of you can feel that way? You can relate to that. You've, you've felt that way at some point. You've had people disappoint you. They've, they've abandoned you. They haven't stood with you when you needed them the most. I think we've all had people like that in our lives. And, you know, but he says that he's honest about that, but he, he continues to bring it back to say, 
well, the Lord will rescue me. The Lord will come through for me. Yeah, there's people that are going to disappoint me. And, and obstacles are going to come in my way. But he's, he is so confident in God's ability and in, in, in the promise that Christ has given us to put all these things under our feet. Uh, we can overcome those who cause divisions, those who put obstacles in our way. We can overcome our accuser, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, as it says in Revelation 12, 11. We can overcome. So we want to approach Ephesians 6, 10 with this mentality, with this, with this kind of thinking and perception of ourselves in mind in our battle with the devil's schemes. So with this courage, this confidence... We're on the Lord's side, amen? amen? We are on the Lord's side. If he's your master, shout amen. amen. So, will he be defeated? No. Will Jesus be defeated? No. So if you're on his side, will you be defeated? No. no. He will give us the ultimate victory when, when the time is right. That's not always right here, right now, and we'd like to have it, but when the time is right, he will give us the victory. So we all, we all need to see that the Lord has put all our enemies under our feet. See that big foot right there? That's a big foot, amen? You know what? That's your foot. Put the enemy under your feet, and don't you leave this building this morning without you walking out with that perception, that the power in you of the Holy Spirit is greater than the power that's in this world and the devil and the enemy that wants to knock you on your behind. Somebody shout amen. amen. Okay, Ephesians 6.10 then. Let's read it. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The enemy has a lot of different routes at getting at you. That's what schemes are. The enemy has a lot of different names. Let's just look at a few of them. Uh, the devil, the word devil means accuser. And he, we already read from Revelation 12, he is our accuser. He's accusing you day and night. Don't you just hate that guy? He is the accuser. Uh, Satan means adversary. The, the name or word Satan simply means adversary or meaning your enemy. He's your enemy. Uh, he's also called the tempter. I think you know pretty much what that means, right? He's a murderer. The Bible calls him a liar, the father of lies. Uh, he's called the serpent. He's called an angel of light. He's called, meaning the deceiver, and he's called the god of this age. So too many of us walk around feeling weak and frail, and especially spiritually weak and frail, and because we're listening to the thoughts of our mind, and our mind is telling us, or the enemy speaks into our minds, telling us, who do you think you are? You can't do this. You failed in the past, and you're going to fail again. You've fallen for my deceptions and, and lies in the past, and you're going to fall again. And we hear this voice, we hear these words in our mind, and the problem is we listen to them. Uh, he'll, he'll tell you, you can't win these spiritual battles. He'll tell you, you're weak. He'll tell you, you know, you're a failure. And, and pour all kinds of shame and guilt and everything else on you. And you know what? You need to decide right now, before you leave this building, 
You need to decide right now before you stand up out of that seat that you're in at home or pound or wherever. You need to decide right now before you stand up out of that seat, before you leave this place, decide once and for all, whose voice are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to Ephesians 6.10? Or are you going to listen to the enemy's voice or your own inferiority complex voice inside of you? Whose voice are you going to listen to? You need to answer that question right here, right now. I need to answer that question right now before I stand up out of this seat. Whose voice am I going to listen to? The voice of the Spirit in Ephesians 6.10 or the voice of the devil in our own failures and our own inferiority complexes? And I know some of you are thinking, because people always think this, how do you know the devil can put thoughts into our mind? Well, I'll show you how I know the devil can put thoughts in my mind because of my own experience, my own relationship with that ugly serpent. But Luke chapter 22, verse number 3 says this, Satan entered Judas. What he did is he put thoughts in Judas's mind, and after he entered into Judas, we all know what he did. Went to the priests and made a deal to betray his Lord for 30 pieces of silver. Where'd that idea come from? Well, the Bible tells us Satan entered Judas. Acts 5.3, Paul asks Ananias, and remember Ananias and Sapphira, uh, husband and wife team? He asked the husband, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Not only did he give him the ideas, but he put those thoughts in his mind and Ananias decided to go with the thought, that ugly thought that came into his mind. Where did it come from? It came from Satan. He tells us, Acts 18, 19, when a man named Simon offered to buy the ability to lay hands on people that they could be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the apostle Paul rebuked him and said, for having such a thought in your heart that he said was captive to sin. Meaning what? Where did the idea come from? It came from the sin in his own heart. Where did the sin in his own heart come from? It came from Satan. His mind was accepting the thoughts of sin and Satan. That's why Ephesians 6.10 says it's time to confess your identity in Christ and your position in the Holy Spirit. And, and, and it's time to declare Satan is under my feet because the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit is in you. So you don't have to listen to those lies. You don't have to let Satan fill you with doubts and fears and, and lies about who you are. It's time to obey this command from Amen. God. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, be strong, it's a Greek word that means to be enabled within, to be increased in strength, to be made strong within Basically, to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. So be strengthened. Let His Holy Spirit strengthen you from within, empower you. And the word mighty, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Mighty is a Greek word that means power that overcomes resistance. And it's what we all need. You know, power to overcome. We all face resistance against us because resistance is, is out there and, and it's coming and it's, it gets stronger and we face this every day. So get your identity in your mind. Get the courage that God's going to come through for you. 
that God is going to put all these things under your feet. Don't live in a victim mentality that, oh, woe yeah. is me. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to have to let all these things happen to me. No, you can overcome. You can overcome. Uh, you can receive the power that overcomes resistance before you walk out these doors today. Receive his power. Be strong in his power. So how do we experience that? Number one, believe it. Believe that he can do it. doesn't say be strong in your mighty power, but in his power that overcomes resistance. Be strong in the power of God. So that means you got to believe that God is powerful, that he can fill you with his power. He Amen. can empower you with his Holy Spirit. It's not just positive thinking, just optimism. Well, I hope it's all going to work out for me and it's, everything's going to come together somehow. It's belief that's anchored in Christ, that right. God is going to, he's done it before, he's going to do it again. That's right. Amen. I've got his Holy Spirit living inside of me. He has promised he's going to put all my enemies under my feet, so I'm believing him. Who are you going to believe? Believe God. Number two, receive it. Surrender your life completely to Christ and invite his Holy Spirit to come in, to take control. Uh, you have to surrender control to him. Just pray and tell him, Lord, I give you full control. I am all in. I give you these battles. I ask you to put all these enemies under my feet to work through all these situations, and I'm going to believe, and I'm going to receive your power, and I surrender it all to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. You know, when we're praising and worshiping, you can raise your hands, and that's just saying, Lord, I surrender to you. The Bible talks about raising your hands in worship, and that's all about surrendering to God, saying, Lord, I surrender to you. I'm reaching out to you. I need you, Lord. It's saying, Lord, I need you. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. I receive from you. So when you do that, it's just, it's just an act of faith saying, Lord, I surrender. I need you. Fill me. Right. And he does that. It's, that's how we fight our spiritual battles. It's through these spiritual weapons, prayer, worship, praise. You need to fight with those spiritual weapons against your spiritual enemy. Yeah, so, yeah, amen. So don't do it in your car, but maybe you're at home. You just do your little dance on your feet and just remind the enemy, you are under my feet because I believe it and I receive it. Number three, number three is live it. So live like you believe it, okay? Satan is under your feet, yes or no? Yes. I said Satan is under your feet, yes or no? Yes. He's under my feet. God is for you, not against you, yes or no? You have the power that overcomes resistance, yes or no? Yes. So you are strong in the Lord, right or wrong? Yes. So he's enabled you, right? So say it. Say it with David, you know. Say David's words. I can advance against the troop, and with my God I can scale a wall. Spiritually, I can advance against the troop and scale a wall. Just let the enemy know I'm not afraid of you. It, you know, here's what you can do this afternoon. You can memorize. How many of you can memorize? I don't see one hand up. How many, how many of you can memorize something? You, you, you uh, baby boomers that are getting older, you know, I was young and now I'm old. You baby boomers that are getting younger, if you want to keep your mind from, uh, from losing, if you want to keep from losing your mind and memory, here's, I'm going to give you a key. This is free. This won't cost you a dime. Start memorizing things because it will empower your brain. Your brain is a muscle. And they say if you memorize things, you build muscle in your brain. 
And uh, I know some of you, your brain, little out there, you need to start memorizing. So, was that over the top, John? Uh, Psalm 18. So this afternoon, here, here's what you can, here's your prescription, okay? Memorize Psalm 18, verses 37 through 39. That's only like three verses, right? So go home and memorize these verses. Come back next Sunday and say, let me know you memorized them, okay? Tell the truth if you didn't do it. So here, here it is. I want you to memorize these words of David. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. Wouldn't it be awesome this week? Tomorrow morning, you get up, you're on your way to work, and you're feeling like, I don't want to go to work. And you just pull this out of that file of your brain, and you just speak these words, I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You made my adversaries bow at my feet. And then just raise your hands and praise and worship Jesus. You know what? Just kind of turn up the earbuds or whatever and just do your little dance right there and put them under your feet. You know what? The Lord will strengthen you with power if you'll take that step of faith and do it. Number four is walk it out. So live it out and then walk it out. How do I walk it out? Just say no. How many of you can say the word no? no. They're all simple little words, just two letters. You just got to say it at the right time. When the enemy is speaking in your brain, when the inferiority feelings come, what's the word you need to use? No. What is it? No. no. When temptations come, just say you know, change your behaviors. If your behaviors are getting you in trouble, change them. How many of you have learned you have the ability to do that? The brain that's in your head is whose brain? See, you, you, this, this is, we got to go back to 101 right here. Spiritual battles 101. The brain in your head is your brain. And you have control over it. Don't let it go wherever it wants to go. Don't let it wander the streets it wants to wander. Stop it and say, no, we're not going down that street. And your brain wants to go south. You tell your brain, we're not going south today. We're going north because Jesus is in the north, and I want to think about him right now. So change your mind, change your thoughts, and think about something else. How about that? Mind control, brain control. Where does it come from? 2 Corinthians 10.5, take every thought captive to obedience to Christ. Who has to do that? You do. I got to do that. So get and maintain control of your mind. Don't let it wander down streets. It shouldn't go down. Just tell your mind, not today, brain. You're not going south. We're going north. We're going to think about Jesus. And then turn up your earbuds and do your little dance again, okay? So just keep him under your feet. So just this week, I hear, heard a really disappointing Horrible message about a well, well, very well-known speaker for Jesus, a man of God, just with the intelligence of, I mean, more intelligence than I could ever dream of having in his brain. And we got this report that he's been uh, living one life before the cameras and lights and a little different life, life out, away from the cameras and has been in, been in fornication. 
And it's like, boy, when I heard that, I'm like, no, I'm not going to believe that. I don't believe, I, you have to prove it to me that that was true. I was not going to believe that about that person. I'm not going to tell you who it was. But the evidence is pretty overwhelming. But my point is this, that here's a person in his 60s and 70s. You would think he would have the battle won totally, wouldn't you? Intelligent, more intelligent than, uh, uh, more, way more intelligent than me. What does that tell us? Not here to judge him. I'm here to say this. That if this man with his intelligence could be knocked down by the enemy and he's in his 60s and 70s, you need to understand something. Satan is relentless. He's never going to quit. Your battle's never going to be over. The enemy's going to fight you and fight you and plant thoughts in your mind and every time you think you got it, you got it made and you know it all, he's going to come along and try to knock you on your behind one more time. You know what? You've got to learn to walk it out every single day, every morning. You've got to fill your mind with the Word of God. Every morning, you've got to believe the Word again. Every day, you've got to receive it again. Every day, you've got to, uh, you've got to live it again. Every day, you've got to walk it out again. Every day, you never give up because... He never gives up. He never gets weary. Some of you get weary and heavy laden and you just want to have a pity party and feel sorry for yourself. Guess what? Satan never does that. He just comes right back. Every time you defeat him, he comes right back to stick his weapon in your ear again and try to pierce you in the center of your soul and take you down and take you out. You can't ever give in. Satan is under your feet and you got to say it again and again and again and again. And you got to say, I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back. You got to do it again and again and again. And you got to turn up the music every day and you got to dance before the Lord every day and you got to declare, Satan is under my feet every single day of the rest of your life. And if you're here this morning and you're willing to say, if you're at home at Pound, you're willing to say this morning, I'm ready to put the enemy under my feet. I want you to stand up on your feet right now, even if you're at home, only if nobody's hearing it in their car anyway, so they can't stand If you're at Pound, I want you to stand on your feet if you say, I believe it. If you say, I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus, I'm ready to surrender my daily walk to Jesus, I'm ready to walk it out, I'm ready to receive it, believe it, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, receive the power of the Holy Spirit, believe, receive, live it, walk it out, and then celebrate His power and worship and dance before the Lord until my mind knows that Satan is under my feet. In Jesus' name, that's you. Stand to your feet right now. Lift your hands wherever you're at and just receive it. Just say, Holy Spirit, I'm yours. Come on in. Fill me up. I need you. It's not in my strength. It's not in my intellect. It's in your power. It's in your presence. So just fill me up to overflowing. I surrender myself to you. In Jesus' name. Now just keep those hands up as Sarah and the team's going to lead us in this song together. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a prison wall He can't break through. 
with hands lifted up and our worship team leads us this morning. Come on, let's declare it. And we're not just declaring, but we're receiving it with our hands up. Jesus, give me that power that overcomes the enemy's attack. In the name of Jesus, he is under my feet. Come on, let's lift it up. 